0: Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our daily reading and meditation on the Gospel of the Day. I am James Thomas. Today is Sunday, June 11th, 2023, the Feast of Corpus Christi. Our reading today is from the Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors, who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. So, happy feast day, everyone. This is a great feast for the church. Vatican II and so many other sources have described the Eucharist as being the source and summit of our faith. We believe it is Jesus. He makes himself present to us. And this is a perpetual memorial of his passion, his death, his resurrection. By memorial, we're not speaking of the common usage of the word in English that says to remember, but it's so much more than that. It literally makes present his death on the cross, his resurrection. When we kneel before the Eucharist, when we kneel before the tabernacle or the altar at Mass, we are kneeling at the foot of the cross next to Our Lady, next to St. John and Mary Magdalene. We are surrounded by the centurions and the Jewish leaders that put him to death and we have a part to play in that. And Jesus looks down at us. I mean, it's all of Jesus. So he's looking at us from heaven, from the crib, from his public ministry, from his life as a carpenter, but par excellence, he's looking at us from the cross and he's looking at us with great love. He's so happy that we're there. (laughs) And I know sometimes people want to take that statement to an extreme. Well, he should just be happy that I'm here. No, (laughs) he's happy that we're there because he made us because we belong to him, because we are his creatures. And so it's the way that a parent looks at a child that they love so dearly. And, you know, we have that choice to abandon him, to neglect him. And Jesus is hurt. He's wounded when we ignore him, especially when we ignore him in the Eucharist. We drive by a church and we don't stop in or we don't at least acknowledge him from a distance. When we are receiving him in communion, as he says in the Divine Mercy Diary, they receive me like I'm some dead object. So he wants our hearts. He wants our attention. Anyway, it's a great feast. It's a beautiful thing. There's so many different ways to preach about the Eucharist, and I've done this on previous podcasts, once again, in so many different directions, the history of worship, the mass itself and how to pray the mass. Of course, there's Eucharistic miracles. I wanted to just talk a little bit today, since this week will be now the Feast of the Sacred Heart and then the Immaculate Heart. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Eucharist being the heart of Jesus. When various Eucharistic miracles have taken place all around the world and scientists have studied what the host has become. I mean, we believe the host becomes the body of Christ when the priest says the words over it, the words of consecration. However, it's still, although the substance changes, the accidents remain. In other words, it still looks like bread. It still tastes like bread. If you studied it under a microscope, it still has all the appearances of bread. But there have been numerous times all over the world that the accidents have changed when the priest said the words of consecration. Sometimes hosts are bleeding. Sometimes they just change in appearance. And so then scientists have studied these and they're they're all over the world. And when they study them, they find some things that are just, well, impossible to believe without faith. (laughs) Yet the scientists are looking at them. Some of these scientists are atheists and they're converted by it. Because what they see under a microscope when they study these hosts that have miraculously changed in their accidents, not just substance, they see heart tissue of a man. (laughs) It's a man, it's heart tissue. It's alive, which is impossible by natural standards. It's heart tissue of a man under great duress. And when you compare one to another, one in South America, to one in Italy, to one in Germany, to one in Africa, it's wherever they've taken place, it's the same guy every time. It's the same DNA, it's the same blood type. They match. So the Eucharist par excellence is the heart of Jesus, but it's even more than that. It's the heart of Jesus on the cross. It's the broken heart of Jesus. When we celebrate the sacred heart, I mean, there's so many things we can talk about with regard to the sacred heart. Pope Benedict wrote a beautiful thing on the sacred heart once that I read that where he talks about it's the sacred heart designates love. The heart is a symbol of love, but, and of course that's one of the main emphases with this devotion, but it's also, uh, representative of humanity. God, the father in heaven doesn't have a physical human heart. We can be sure he's got a heart, but it's something beyond our senses. Jesus in becoming one of us has a human heart. That means it breaks. That means it's sensitive. That means it relates to us. It knows us. We can connect with it. This reading that we just heard today, we must eat his flesh and drink his blood. Now, Jesus is saying what's necessary for salvation, but I want to go a little further with that. I'm turning back to the page. Just as... Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. The hearts connect. The Father sent me and I have life because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me. Now, John changes the words in the original Greek. It originally says consume, which can mean other things. But then he says feeds on me. That means to actually put in your mouth and chew. So also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. Remains in me and I in him. That's powerful. It's powerful stuff. Jesus makes a physical bond with us. More than just his incarnation, this is the fruit of the incarnation. <laughs> the word fruit is great because it harkens back to Adam and Eve. It is the fruit of the tree of life. They ate the wrong fruit. Now he's given us the correct fruit to eat that will give us eternal life. One thing that's great to meditate on. Thinking about Jesus' heart being broken for us. I mean, it was literally pierced for us on the cross, but we know from the story that his heart was broken. I mean, his friends left him. He's feeling the guilt and the weight of our sins. And one of the greatest sins is our neglect of him. His love is pouring out for us, and we put big walls in front of him. We essentially tell him, We don't want your love. We're going to go live in our sins, we're going to ignore you and live other types of lives. So his heart is broken on a bigger level, on many levels. I mean, he's being spit at. He's being ridiculed. The Jewish leaders are the ones that were supposed to receive the Messiah, and instead they're putting him to death. Imagine how we would feel if this were us. We wouldn't be able to handle all the pain. Never mind the fact that his heart is in horrible duress physically because of all the torture that he's enduring. And he loves every single one of us. He loves those people that are whipping him and ripping his flesh apart, putting thorns in his head, putting nails in his wrists and in his feet. So the next step from this, because of his heart being broken and therefore opened for us. Now our broken hearts can be fixed. There's another thing in the passion and death of Jesus that reaches its climax. And that is the healing. Jesus starts by little miracles here and there. He multiplies loaves and fish. I mean, that's not little, that's huge, but still it gets bigger. He cures the blind. He expels demons You know, we can all expel demons, and we we need to be doing it on a regular basis. There's demons in us and all around us. So many people we interact with are just loaded up with their demons because they don't go to church, because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. They haven't been to confession. So Jesus is doing that left and right, up and down, and all over the place. But then his miracles get greater. He walks on water. He raises the dead. He's not just turning water into wine now. He's doing bigger and bigger things. And now through his death on the cross, the miracle is that our hearts can be fixed. Our hearts that have been broken over and over again because of our sins, because of the sins of those around us. Now he's giving us eternal life. We think of eternal life and rightly so as Jesus's descent into hell, his ascension into heaven his rising from the dead, it's all true. Yes, he conquers sin and death so that we can join with him. We join with him through the Eucharist, this feast and what we celebrate today, in other words. And then, yeah, we can go to heaven too. But think about it. And this is something I've meditated on numerous times in my life. What if I approach the throne of almighty God and my heart is still broken from so many things that have happened to me in my life? It's true, he's going to fix us. It's true. Heaven will be ultimate joy. But while we're still here living in this life, he calls us to heal each one of us. In fact, we even can say we have a duty to pursue healing first for ourselves and then for everyone around us. And it's that broken heart of Jesus that heals the wounds in my heart. My heart is loaded with wounds. Your hearts are loaded with wounds. So many times our hearts have broken because people have sinned against us or we've deepened the wounds because of our own sins. Imagine you have a cut, you have an open wound and you need medicine and instead you pour in it Tabasco sauce. Well, that's what our sins do. Somebody has an open wound that has to do with maybe something that happened in their childhood, something that happened in their families. And what do they do? They drink, they pour alcohol in the wound make it worse they do drugs whatever bad relationships the lists go on and on and on they're pouring tabasco sauce in the wounds jesus's heart is was broken and opened up in order to heal our hearts in order to give us exactly what we need there's so much pain in the human race pope john paul one of his great quotes was that the answer to all the problems of the world? When you think of all the problems of the world and the things that could go wrong, nuclear annihilation, AI taking over, whatever, COVID, etc., AIDS, whatever. The solutions to all the problems of the world are in that little host. It's so true. And mostly because when you receive that little host in the state of grace, he can heal your heart. When you spend time with him in adoration, He can heal your heart. A friend of mine once said to me, when I spend time with him, it's like open heart surgery. He just gets in. When we open up our hearts to his heart, he gets in there and he fixes everything. He heals us and he reminds us how much we are loved. There's still going to be more wounds, so we just have to keep going back. We have to make it part of our regular routine that we spend time with Jesus in adoration. That when we receive him in communion, we spend time after Let him in there. Don't put up a big roadblock by jumping up out of our seats to go talk to everybody when you just received him in Holy Communion. Let him in. Let the graces from the Eucharist seep through all the little cracks in the heart to heal it. Jesus opened up his heart so that all that healing grace could come from him into us. He pours out his Holy Spirit into all the places where we have been filled with evil. So his blood is the remedy. His blood, July is the month of the precious blood. It's another thing. We're going to spend a whole month meditating on the precious blood. I mean, I'm not saying me necessarily, but that's what the church does. That blood cleanses us of our sins. It cleanses us of evil that has gotten in. And it's it's a common prayer that I like to say, especially when just, you know, asking that the Lord will deliver us from demons, Blood of Christ, cover me, come Holy Spirit and fill me. In other words, we ask the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from the evil that's harmed us. And it's not just in me, it's all around us in society. Blood of Christ, cover us. Come Holy Spirit and fill us. Once the house has been cleaned, then it needs to be filled with something other than the evil that used to fill it. So we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. And then the Holy Spirit comes in, With the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, self-control, gentleness, kindness, meekness, generosity. The Holy Spirit comes and fills us with the gifts, courage, wisdom, knowledge, fear of the Lord, piety, respect for others, etc., counsel. And the Holy Spirit wishes to fill us with virtue. Virtues are things that we have to be working on ourselves, but the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit works together with us to build up virtue. So we become more loving, more faithful, more patient, more generous, etc., more courageous. We grow in virtue. So we ask the Lord to heal our hearts this day. As we celebrate Corpus Christi, we celebrate the fact that we have a Savior. His heart has been broken in order for our hearts to heal. So we thank our Lord Jesus. And once again, let us commit ourselves to loving him endlessly, just as he has loved us. And realizing that little host are all my, the answer, the solution to all my problems. Have a great day. God bless you.